Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. You really adopted the dark. I was born in it. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Bazinga. Two in the box. Ready to go. We be fast and baby slow. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. We're recording, and welcome to the Mon Geek More podcast, uh, your favorite podcast where you come to listen to uh, four people debate, argue, and talk about their favorite, their top four, Mount Rushmore, if you will, of their favorite pop culture subjects. Today's pop culture subject, as you can tell by looking at your listening device, is the uh, Mount Rushmore of best cinematic natural killers. And by that, we mean they're not supernatural. So there you go. Uh, I am Neri Science. With me as usual is David. Howdy. And we got Daniel. What up, y'all? Recording from a different angle today. So if you guys are on the YouTube channel, you guys will see <laughs> just a slightly different corner of his kitchen. Uh, and we also have uh, Missy. Hello. All right. So we will be talking about, uh, we first started off trying to come up with a theme for a Halloween episode because Halloween, by the time this comes out, is right now. Um, But uh, we realized that throughout the four years that we've been on the air, uh, on the air, that uh, we've done a lot of Halloween-themed topics, such as favorite Halloween franchises, uh, I'm sorry, favorite horror movie franchises, uh, favorite uh, deaths in horror movies. Uh, So That was a fun episode. It was a fun episode. So favorite um, horror monsters. So we uh, decided to go the other route. Because in that episode, it was all supernatural beings, such as a xenomorph and Freddy and Jason and so on and so on. So now we're doing killers in movies that are not supernaturals, that are just bad people, humans, evil humans. So with that wow. said... Uh, it's There's a, some good guys in there, right? It's a, it's a pick-me-up episode. They're, it's a pick-me-up episode. Misunderstood. I got one good guy on my, uh, on my honorable mention. Or girl. We don't know. <laughs> Stop being sexist, Daniel. Stop being sexist, man. Oh, All right. Um, so we're going to go down the list. Um, uh, David, how did you make your selection? All right. So um, I basically went through my um, my iTunes collection, and I was looking at, at the movies that I owned, and I was like, ooh, that one's got a good killer. And then I kept scrolling. Ah, that one's got a good killer. And then I ended up with 15 killers, uh, and that was already whittling down, like, just me being kind of judicious and saying, I, I can't, you know, that's it, no more, I'm done. Uh, and so I, I don't know what my list is going to be. So I have a question. I did the same thing you did, David. I did the same thing you did, David, but I ended up with a lot of Humphrey Bogart, so I was like, ooh, maybe I should lay off. <laughs> um, Dave, of the 15 on your list, how many of them does your son know about firsthand? Uh, uh, one, two, three, four. Oh my God, he knows about four of them. (laughs) All right. I'm a terrible father. No. All right. Awkward. Let's just go ahead and move along now. 
Missy, how did you come up <laughs> with your selection? Um, so this is uh, not my wheelhouse at all. I'm a complete pansy when it comes to um, scary movies, horror movies. So I use the Google machine. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily list- have to be horror, though. It just has to be... I mean, it tends to be that a lot of correct. natural killers are in horror movies, but it doesn't have to be horror movies. Well, that changes things. So, But anyway... <laughs> <laughs> Missy's oh, like, I need one minute. Hold on, give me a sec. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Take me last every time. Um, I don't like... I don't like horror movies only because I'm like a complete pansy, especially to the supernatural paranormal stuff. Um, so I'm, but I, so I'm, I'm glad I'm on this mountain in the sense that like it's kind of morbid, but humans are the scariest villains we're ever going to deal with anyway. So let's talk about it. <laughs> Wrote a song about it. Like to hear. Here it goes. I agree. <laughs> Only one person got it, but that's fine. That's all I needed. All I, needed. I got it. Where's that from, uh, Missy? In living color. In living color. In living color. Oh, of course. Now that he gave you the answer, uh, Debora, how did you make your selection? Um, I there were a couple people that I, that I had to debate about whether or not uh, they counted it as a human killer, right? So. One of the things I did was I eliminated, there was one major one who like started as a human killer, but by the end of the franchise was supernatural. So I eliminated that one. Um, But then I just kind of, I thought about people who genuinely, three of my four picks are people that I just, watching the movie, I was genuinely afraid of that person and and the idea that, um, that they could be real. And even my fourth pick, my number four, it's pretty scary just in a very different way. But I just tried to go with ones where not just the movie, it was the movie itself was scary, but it had to be more than just the whole movie. I needed that one person to just absolutely terrify me. Okay. Uh, I made my selection by uh, looking up, uh, I, I Googled, I think what the phrase that I Googled were, um, killers and thrillers or something like that and movie thrillers like cinematic thrillers because i um i'm not the biggest horror guy and all the horror movies that i've seen we the the episodes that geekmore has which by the way you can find every episode of geekmore at geekbro.net i know uh, itunes recently i had somebody reach out to me and they were like i'm listening from the beginning and they were listening from like uh, geek newsy one which was like 52 episodes in and i'm like oh no there's a whole back catalog but it's um they cap you so the only geekbro.net is what i'm trying to say they have all we have all the all the episodes up there um so throughout the years that we've done episode horror movie themes, um, that's it. I'm capped off. I don't know any any more horror movies. So I went to thrillers because I found that thrillers tend to deal with more humans and less supernatural than quote unquote horror movies. So thrillers is what I went through. And then I went through my list. I went through the, the, the list and I got five or six. And then I said, that's it. This is what I'm going with. So... That is how I made my selection. Uh, all right, so let's start off with our number four. With the fourth pick. Number four. Round four. I'm in no mood for your wife's crack. Let's get it on. All right, 
from uh, we're gonna start from my right. It's David. David, what is your number four? Um. Okay, so my number four is going to be the newest, uh, like most recent killer, right from the most recent movie, and that is Officer Wayne Mackey from Summer of '84. Oh God. Damn, that is a good pick. I didn't even yeah. think about him. Mm, it's it's so good. It was actually uh, one of the first ones that popped into my mind, like before I started looking at movies. Um, uh, coincidentally, the num- my number one didn't pop into my mind until I saw the movie. I was like, oh wow, that's that's one of them. Uh, but this one did almost right away. Uh, it's it's a movie that kind of leaves a lasting impression on you uh, because of how normal everything is. Uh, the movie, I, I've talked about it uh, a little bit on, on another episode. I think it had to do with movie soundtracks or movie scores because uh, it's got this great like retro synthwave score. And um, the movie was made by the same uh, directing trio that made um, the movie uh, Turbo Kid. I don't know if anyone has seen Turbo Kid. Uh, but it's it's got this like very cool like retro flashback thing going on. So it takes place in the summer of '84, and uh, there's a group of kids, very much kind of like the Goonies. They're just enjoying their time together, and uh, they begin to suspect that their next door neighbor, who is a police officer, is a serial killer, and he's gone from like town to town. He strikes like once every couple of years and all of a sudden he's striking in their town. And so they become obsessed with this idea that this police officer that lives next door is a serial killer. And uh, the more that they uncover, uh, the more normal he seems. But there's things that are just a little bit off. And so without giving too much uh, away, um, I mean... I guess I can't, like I have to, he's on my list, right? He is, he, he is a serial killer and, and how, how like depraved he is when you find out who he is, when they, when they finally get the evidence of, of who this guy is and like the extent to which he goes to, um, to cover up his, uh, his killing. I mean, and the fact that he targets children, like there's this Freddy Krueger quality uh, that he has where it's just like, you know, he's this nice guy next door, but who he murders are children. Like that's, it's really creepy. And and, and the idea that, you know, uh, a police officer, someone who is supposed to protect and serve is is not, is uh, both timely and, uh, and, and, <laughs> and, and frightening at the same time. It's, it's still frightening. Uh, so I, I think it's a fantastic movie on top of the fact that it's, um, it's a great killer and, um, which wasn't necessarily one of my, my criteria. It did not have to be a great movie. Although I do think that all the movies that I've chosen are genuinely good movies. Uh, but it's, uh, it's a, it's a great alternative to some of these, um, like classic Halloween movies that we watch and, and it's got a really chilling ending like it, it just you you don't forget this movie it sticks with you mm-hmm. uh, uh, one of my favorite things about summer of 84 was that it was it had funny moments not enough that it ever like took over the whole film or anything you definitely wouldn't even qualify it as like a dark humor or anything but like the the timing on when it decided to be funny 
was just amazing. I, it was the, the, the timing from all of the actors and the way that the few comedic moments were delivered were so perfect. And it would be just enough to like break the tension and yeah. it kind of then, 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 then something could catch you off guard again. It was always just enough that you would let your guard down. And they did an amazing job with that. Yeah. And, and they, they also, um, like now that you're mentioning the humor, they found a way to really balance this movie out where there's like just enough like coming of age-ness to it. There's just enough romance to it. There's just enough everything to kind of balance out this really weighty story that's there. All right. Uh, don't know if I've ever that heard of it. That movie came out this year. I think uh, two years ago. Uh, I don't know if I've ever heard of the movie. Maybe I have, and I just got to see the trailer again to remind myself. But uh, sounds interesting. If it's murder, I'll watch it. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing supernatural about it. Oh, there's murder. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they'd be murder, y'all. All right, so we got Wayne Mackey uh, for Summer of 84. Um, all right. Uh, Missy, who do you got for your number four? Okay. Um, <laughs> well, since we broaden the horizons a little bit after a quick uh, Google sh- um, search, I think I'm going to, my number four is going to be Joker. Um, uh, Joker. That is also my number four. That is wow. also my number four. All right. I, I didn't even consider this pick. Not for a second. I'm not I'm not arguing yeah. the pick. I just didn't. No, consider not at it. all. Yeah. The, I like it. Uh, Joker from di- from from last year's movie. Are you guys both going Joaquin Phoenix? Yes. Yes. I think that would be the, the way to go. Yes. So go ahead. Mary, do you go want to go first? Well, uh I, you know, there's no hiding how much of a fan I am of this movie or how much of a fan I am of Joaquin Phoenix's portrayal. Um, but uh, let me let me start the timer because it's totally fair uh, that we, <laughs> we start the timer for both of us. Uh, yeah, I I love this movie. I love the the way uh, again the slow turn into madness and the slow descent into madness. But when he does go into madness, he fucking goes into madness, and I loved. Everything from the shots, uh, the cinematography of how and when, and you know, the, to show how he killed people, uh, the uh, was it a screwdriver or the knife in the fucking in the eye that with the fat from the fat dude uh, in the apartment in the apartment. That's one of my favorite murders on cinematic history. I just love that uh, scene. Uh, I love that and the, the way he was laughing and how uh, the little person couldn't fucking reach the lock to get out and the nervousness of him asking it was so great the nervousness of him asking (laughs) it was so it was like funny but at the same time uber scary like you put yourself in that scenario like you have to ask the killer to help you leave the apartment uh so that scene itself and then of course the ending which i'm not going to spoil for those two people who haven't seen the fucking movie yet um that last murder that he commits is is fucking brilliant cinematic beauty i think uh but i i just no it's genius I, I fucking thought it was great i mean i thought it was i saw that movie four times in theaters each time with a different person sitting next to me and the last three times because obviously the first time i didn't see it coming either but the last three times i had to do everything in my power to not look at the person like obviously face the person and be like i want to see this motherfucking reaction <laughs> so i literally would have to just 
face the screen and as much as my eyeballs could fucking force themselves to go to my left or my right depending on where the person was sitting like oh man they're gonna fucking love this i can't wait for them to see this shit and i didn't fail and two of those people are on this podcast right now it was missy and david i saw those movies it was fucking great i jumped yeah i jumped um i think the great so i psychological thrillers like the descent into madness kind of storyline i love watching and I think that really in that subcategory, I would say, of, of movie genres, I think Joker is top tier, like hands down, I would say, in the genre. Um, I really, really, the scary thing about Joker is that, is the Arthur, is right? That's his name? Yeah. Arthur? Yeah. Like, he's mm-hmm. not Joker until the last 45 minutes of, or, or whatever, an hour in, uh, left of the movie, but the descent into madness and like, the other thing that I think what they did really well, at least I did, I, I don't know about everyone else, but I was on his side. I was sympathizing with him and I was like, what the fuck? The system is failing him. Like he keeps getting fucked over and they're pushing him to snap. And I'm not justifying murder, so to speak. Um, but I think that that's really a very interesting ride to go on as a viewer. And I think that Joaquin Phoenix in my opinion, hasn't missed yet. He's a phenomenal actor and um, he deserved all the accolades and all the hype for, for this movie. Um, and yeah, I think that the I watched it with this guy and he really was sitting there like trying not to watch me watch the movie. And then, um, you know, the big moment hits and I was like, oh, fuck. And there's still so much madness that pursues after, like, that comes after that big moment. I think they, they just, there's, there's nothing about this character in that movie that they didn't do correctly and like 100% correct. So, but that being said, as much as I love this movie and I will put it on as many mountains as, as you know, it, it earns its spot there. Um, I probably won't watch it again. It's not like a, it's not, a, it's not a, like in the background movie that I would ever watch um, again. But yeah, great. I love this, I love this movie and I love this character. He's he's fantastic. I uh, well, found, what I, I found was really super hesitant. Go ahead, Go ahead. Uh, about about this movie because uh, it, I was I was terrified that they were going to turn Joker into an anti-hero. And then when they didn't, I was very pleasant. I was very, very happy. But my favorite thing about it was without turning him into an anti-hero, they did create a scenario where like, well, now I understand why he has a limitless supply of henchmen. Like I can see where a certain group of people would view this guy as a leader. And they did a great job of that without, like I said, crossing that, that anti-hero line, which is what I was afraid they were going to do. Yeah, but those followers usually wear a red hat. Um, so uh, <laughs> we get it, right? Because he's a monster. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, what I what I dug, what scared me the most about this character, this person portrayed in the film, is that I believe it could really happen. I believe that if. It yeah, but again, to a global, to a global, to a national level where it's like on live TV, where we see somebody getting murdered on live TV. If you start Googling murders on live TV, it's happened. But like it's back in the day 
and like in the seventies and eighties and shit, and they don't, and those fucking tapes are lost. Uh, and again, there's only so much you could Google this shit before you start realizing I'm probably on some fucking watch list right now. I should stop. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, like you, you put on list with the quickness. Yeah. So, uh, but it's great, man. It's fantastic. Anyways, that's our time. We we did uh, six and a half minutes. So, um, but the Joker, uh, in Joker. Uh, <laughs> so it's fantastic. You know, it's funny because I saw Joker come up. Uh, the character come up on the on on Google list, uh, and never did I think to myself, should I put Heath Ledger on there? Should I like I never, and it's the same. They're, they're human, so I could have I could have put them, but I was like, no, this is the character I want to put. This is immediately. Um, all right. I think what I think what wait in thirty seconds. I think what this movie did was humanize the character. Like every time that we. As as uh, the viewer of the movie, like you get with uh, Jack Nicholson, you get like what twenty minutes, and then he becomes the Joker. You don't get that with Heath Ledger. This movie specifically, I can't speak on the TV series or any you know all the stuff I haven't seen, <laughs> but from what I've seen, this movie took a lot of time to show you Arthur before they showed you Joker, and that I think the, the fact that they humanized him is what made him such an impactful character. Right. Uh, all right, so the bono, who did you got for number four? So my number four, uh, as I'm want to do, is going to guarantee that I don't have any sort of perfect mountain, but I love this movie with a passion. It is actually the only, it actually is kind of a comedy that's on my list. Uh, my number four is Leslie Vernon. From Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Honorable mention for um, me. It was like, so behind the fight that much. <laughs> behind the Mask is a mockumentary that takes place in a universe where these supernatural serial killers like Jason and Freddy are real. And these are things that have actually existed. And a documentary crew starts following this guy named Leslie Vernon, who is so obsessed with it that he wants to go down in history as one of these. And so they're following him as he creates this scenario where he's going to kill all these people. He picks his final girl. He like, he's like, ah, she's a virgin. She'll be my father. Girl. She's going to prove herself. It shows him getting ready. And, and the, the, one of the best things about this movie and, and I'll, you know, the, the killer is also spectacular is it shows the process that go, that would go into like all of the things that go wrong in horror movies going wrong. Like it shows Leslie Vernon going to this barn where he's going to commit his mass murder and rigging the electrical system to fail and screwing up the things that uh, the teenagers that he's going to kill might use as weapons. And it shows all the behind the scenes prep work that one of these killers would actually have to put in for all of these tropes <laughs> to fall into place. That's fantastic. Um, and it's just, it's, it's, it's wonderful. And this guy is, he's, he's, he's insane, but he's funny about it. And it's, it's, it's something that he genuinely wants to do because he idolizes these people. Uh, and there, there's a very, there's a very stern turn in act three where it just kind of becomes a traditional like slasher film. It's not the mockumentary footage anymore. 
and he does end up killing a lot of people. I mean, it's not like they he doesn't do it and he, you know, kind of made this list for no reason. He does end up killing a lot of people and pretty brutally. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's interesting to see the concept of somebody who decides that this is their calling in life is to be a slasher film uh, bad guy and everything they would put into it. It kind of takes that element of the genre and flips it on its head. And uh, so he becomes a guy that you're very invested in because you're interested in what he's going to do to make these things happen. Um, Like I said, it's definitely got some gruesome deaths. He definitely earns a spot as a killer, but also very funny. Just a spectacular movie um, and a great killer to boot. So um, Leslie Vernon from Behind the Mask is my number four. This was the first movie, I think, that picked up where the original Scream left off in that, like, uh, it's taking the the standard tropes of, of a horror movie and slasher movies specifically, right? And uh, and and reexamining them and tearing them apart and saying, well, how how can we do something new with this? Right? It, it was uh, hyper aware of of its um, uh, of of its own mythology, you know. Uh, and and Leslie Vernon is, is such a compelling and, and likable guy, even even though he's yes, like, that's what's totally, so bizarre. He's, he's totally despicable, you know. But he's so likable also because. We understand him because we're kind of like that, too, in a sense, where like this movie came out right around the time where like becoming an influencer was a thing, you know, and and you and you wanted to kind of you know do what that other person was doing. So how how do I get there? You know, let me let me do what they have done and I'll, I'll go along that path. It was just brilliant. I love this movie. I love this pick. Thank you so much for <laughs> picking it. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds great. I've never, I, I had never heard of it, but it, it sounds like something uh, that I would be interested in. Uh, family chair, Neri. All right. Uh, oh man, and it's got it, it's and it's got it's got cameos from tons of like horror movie staples, um, like Robert England's in it, and just a bunch of people have little cameos. Just just great movie. All right. So our number fours were uh, Wayne Mackey from Summer of '84, Joker from Joker, uh, Leslie Vernon from Behind the Mask, and uh, Joker from Joker again. Here we go. Round three. Three is a magic number. Yes, it is. All right, David. What is? I don't know why I said your name like ET, David. Uh, <laughs> that was weird. That was just a weird. David. Um, what is your number three? Uh, my number three is from one of the more um, lesser known, but still uh, like it's got a cult following. Um, pseudo slasher. It's kind of more of a thriller. From, from the 80s featuring Terry O'Quinn and it's Jerry Blake from The Stepfather. Man, uh, I haven't seen that movie in nice. such a long fucking time, dude. Jerry, Is it Jerry Blake or Terry Blake? Jerry Blake. Jerry Blake. I haven't seen that Jerry movie. Oh. He's, played, he's played by Terry O'Quinn uh, from from Lost and from just you know a bunch of other stuff. Um, 
but the uh, movie is called The Stepfather. The Stepfather. movie is called The Stepfather. They they remade it uh, years later. It had yes, two thousand nine. It, it, it yeah, two thousand nine. It had two sequels. The the second one was still quite good, and um, the third one I got to be honest, I don't remember anything about. I don't. I uh, I did. I think I saw pieces of part two, but man, part one, I was a kid. That shit scared the fuck out of me, yeah, dude. It's 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 a it's a legitimately <laughs> scary movie. <laughs> <laughs> with with without really being um, like like an honest to goodness horror movie, I think it's I think it's more of a thriller than than a horror movie. But it also has like slasher uh, tropes in there thrown in uh, for good measure. There's and, a blind uh, guy. It's everything. It has everything. That movie has everything. <laughs> so Jerry is is a man. Like the the movie starts with him. Uh, like naked in a bathroom, having just washed all this blood off of himself, and uh, and he's shaving his his face, and and so like you can tell that something has gone horribly wrong, right? And then it flashes forward, and he's living with a with a family, and he seems to be a totally normal guy, and so this is his mo. He uh, he finds he finds uh, a, a woman who is looking for someone to, to help her out. Typically, this is a woman who's been divorced, who's got kids. And uh, and so he kind of takes on that role of the being the husband that she wishes the, the last one was. One of, one of the one of my favorite movie posters. A cautionary tale. One of my fa- <laughs> one of my favorite movie posters. To be honest with you, I I really it has uh, him in the back in the background, and then a wedding cake in the foreground, and has a knife splitting up the topper, the the wedding cake topper, and that's how like, and then that becomes one of the letters of stepfather. I don't remember, but it was fucking. I think, I think that's the poster for part two. Is it? Okay. I think so. Yeah, the poster for part one, um, I seem to remember being him looking in a mirror, and then the mirror is all foggy, and then what's written, like, on the fog of the mirror is, uh, who are we now? So the whole thing is that, like, he, he is, like, really unstable, and he assumes this new personality, but he reaches a point where he just, like, he can't control it anymore, and his inner demon starts coming out, and he starts planning the murder. He starts finding a new place where he's going to move to, and and he, he plans everything out so perfectly before it happens. So this is something that has happened countless times before. Uh, the whole thing with this movie is that he starts forgetting which person he is with this family. So he starts behaving erratically. He starts going by different names. He starts calling his wife and kids different names. And this uh, this sort of unraveling of his uh, multiple personalities starts coming out in just the most terrifying way. And and it's just it's so real. Right. Like, Missy, you said that, like, there's nothing scarier than than humanity. There's nothing scarier than us. And I think that this is a movie that I can imagine like reading a story like this, I just saw a documentary on uh, on, on Netflix about a guy who like murdered his uh, his his wife and daughters, 
And uh, oh yeah, my wife's waiting is waiting to watch that. <laughs> yeah, it was it was, it was it sounds really so good. fucking weird. That you sounds know? so weird. And, my wife's waiting to watch that documentary about her husband that kills her wife. He, she's waiting to. Uh... Yeah, yeah. She's hyped. <laughs> that, she's on, that, she's she's watching on the couch with a fucking knife. She's just like, uh, <laughs> just, like this is America. This is how I watch a documentary about this, honey. Are you gonna come? No, you gonna stay away? That's cool. That's probably for the best. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, man, Terry O'Quinn is just such a, a phenomenal actor, and he 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 scares you. He really does scare you, and you don't have to be a child, Terry, to be scared. It is terrifying, absolutely terrifying. It is terrifying, and, and, there's, and there's nothing supernatural. It's just you know, this is the way a sick mind works. Yeah, they did they did a decent job with the remake too, but it just it doesn't touch the original. It, the the no. I've seen them both, and the original is far scarier. Yeah, yeah, and they did the same thing with uh, like the Hitcher around that same time where they remade the Hitcher, uh, and uh, they remade they, uh, they, they remade I spit on your grave. Serviceable, but not. They remade I spit on your grave. Yeah, mm. they did remake I spit on your grave, and I I mm, not a fan. Did not. What like is that me. about? Uh, I spit on your grave. People that it's go a, spitting uh, on graves. It's murder revenge porn. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like like uh, she she gets raped and then murders a bunch of people as revenge, and they, it's it's oh, gorn out. Good for her. They leave her they leave her for dead, and they think she's dead. So when she comes yeah. back, they assume that she's like you know some specter come back to get him, which she kind of is. Spoiler! Oh, God, that was I. Uh, I know that's not the one we're talking about, but that is the first time I remember seeing a movie and being like. Dear God, how, like, what can't they do? Right. <laughs> uh, all right, Missy, what is your, your number three? Um, my number three is Peter Foley of Copycat. That is oh my God. That is an honorable mention. That that is uh, that is actually the first movie I thought of. Uh, it, it's, go ahead, talk, keep about talking about. It. I'm sorry. Uh, it's not on your list, Missy or uh, Nary. Well, yeah, I mean, they, I really... they would say that because when we did Shiver, when we were doing Shiver, the movie part, the horror movie podcast, I try to get this movie on the list, like, and because we were rotating between the three guys, like, all right, each week one of us picks a movie, and I try to pick Copycat mo- like multiple times, and I had to be told by multiple by both other uh, panelists, it's not a fucking horror movie. <laughs> No, they wouldn't. It scared me. And they're like, yeah, because you're a pussy. So it can't fucking. It didn't go. Uh, but yeah. Harry Connick Jr., right? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. So yeah. we're, we're in Joker. You can watch. You're watching the descent into madness. In Copycat, you're just thrown right the fuck in. <laughs> <You're> just, <laughs> it's, it's crazy all around. I watched. The first time I ever watched this movie was because in my AP psychology class, my teacher, uh, my senior year of high school, my teacher, the last nine weeks, all she did was show us psychological thrillers, which was fucking fantastic. Was she going through a divorce um, or something? Like, what the fuck is she going? Like, why did she force that upon her students? Like, all psychological thrillers? Not one just like, fucking, hey, the, the Disney movie. Like, there's nothing? It's all dark. So anyway, um, <laughs> what I love about this movie, aside from um, Harry Connick Jr. scaring the shit out of me, yeah. because he, that motherfucker, as charming as he is in other movies, he lets loose on this one for sure. I think this came out before, um, what the fuck was that Hope movie floats. that I love so much? <laughs> fuck you, yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah. this movie hate right, when he does that. She was so bad. <laughs> I fucking hate when he does that. Um, so like, which is the movie that I love so much? The chick flick. Fucking son of a bitch. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> You need to stop my timer every time you throw me, you fucker. Um, like the debate over a here. great cast, a great cast. Um, Sigourney Weaver with her agoraphobia, which I was like relatable. Sigourney um, Weaver is such an underrated performance. I think this is such an underrated performance because she gets a lot of credit and it's always deserved for these major blockbuster perform you know movies uh performances in blockbusters but this is not a blockbuster film this didn't break the bank this wasn't like and this is such an underrated perform by, performance by Sigourney Weaver it was fan fucking tastic yeah, it did 32 million in the box office and the budget was 20 million so it wasn't it didn't break the bank for 95 anyway um and then uh, obviously I think that the other part that's really chilling about this was to just the idea that usually, like, I guess in my 18-year-old brain, it was like, oh, murders, like, it's a murder and that's it. But for those murderers that are, like, like the Dahmers and all, like, all the fucking iconic murders, like, there are people that, can, like, look at that shit and they're like, when I grow up, that's what I want to do. And that's fucking scary. Especially if you want to go on a date, just saying. <laughs> um... So yeah, I love this movie. I love this. I mean, I again, this is not another one that I would just like throw on to have in the background because it's fucking terrifying. But the entire aspect of the fact that like the entire psychological aspect of this movie, which I would, I would agree that it's not a hundred. It leans more towards thriller than it does horror movie. But again, it's not my wheelhouse. So that's that's what I had to go with. Um, the two things about this movie. One, there's a scene where he comes like over the bathroom stall with garrote wire that still haunts my dreams. And two, this is who I, this is the first time I ever knew anything about Harry Connick Jr. So then it was like when I heard him playing, you know, just like jazz piano music. Yeah. He's like, doo, 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 I'm from New Orleans. I was like, motherfucker, I know you. Like, well, he this, has, he has this is terrifying that you can pretend to do this now. <laughs> when he had a talk show, I was like, "This is very suspicious." I told him, I told him whatsoever. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's my that's my three. Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, uh, that's a great pick, BFF. It really is. I I uh, I didn't pick it because I um, honestly it, it made my honorable mention list. But it, like I said, I had six choices, and and then just the other ones. I think because the other ones I've seen more recently. But uh, it's it's fucking. It was great. Uh, you know, great choice. Great choice. All right. Uh, DeBono, what do we got? Um, okay, so for my number three, I'm hoping maybe some of you guys, at least maybe David, has seen these movies. Um, <laughs> just just acknowledge your, that David, uh, is, David is your uh, target right. audience. If the other um, two happen to get it, it's a nice cherry on top. It is a character who, over the course of two movies, has gone by two different names, so we don't actually know what his, his real name is. Um, in the first one, he goes by Joseph, and the second one, he goes by Aaron from a movie called Creep, uh, played by Mark Duplass uh, of the League. If you uh, if you watch the League, he plays Pete Eckhart on the League. Uh, Mark Duplass plays this character named Joseph in Creep, and then Aaron Aaron is his name in the sequel Creep too, but it is the same character. Um, and 
I, like the only way to really talk about this movie is I got to get kind of spoilery, but I, I won't give away some of the big stuff. I'm so essentially, I have not seen this. I will watch it, but the good thing is that I'm going to forget all about this spoiler <laughs> in like five minutes. So, <laughs> so Creep is like a found footage type movie uh, where um, uh, Joseph, played by Mark Duplass, um, he pays this guy to come out and film him because he wants to like make a movie about his life or whatever. And he, uh, he spends the whole movie just like walking this guy around his house and talking with him. And sometimes he's really funny and sometimes he's really creepy. And, um, he just, it's genuinely just unnerving. It's not a movie that that's gonna have, it doesn't have jump scares. It's just, unsettling the entire time you're never comfortable the entire time you're watching the movie creep and you're just trying to figure out what's going on now obviously since i put him on this list of killers you know that he eventually ends up killing someone um and so he does end up eventually like i said i I, to, to understand why he's on this list he does end up eventually killing the guy who he invited over to make this movie and then you find out that he does this on a regular basis but then in the second one, they go in, it's, it's deeper into what makes this guy. And there's this really freaking just awful thing where you realize that this, this is a guy, uh, um, if you, if you read, if you read or study serial killers, you know, there's like a handful of reasons why they do it. And this is a guy who it's not necessarily the kill that he's in it for. It's the relationship that he builds with the person that he plans on killing where he gets his jollies is befriending a stranger on a very deep level before he murders them. And that's very, very creepy to me for the rest of my list. These are all people who, if they were real would just be genuinely terrifying. And this idea that there's somebody out there that killing is the end result, but that's not necessarily exactly what they're in it for. They're in it for this one moment of very deep friendship that in their mind has to end with a murder for it to be completed. And it's just, it's so, so bizarre. And especially if you're familiar with the league and you just know him as Pete Eckhart. And I don't know if you guys have ever watched I the did, league or I not, did, but yeah, he's yeah. just like super goofy. Ma- he, he's super goofy man child who plays fantasy football. And that's his whole damn life is drinking and playing fantasy football. And to see him play, which this is also which creepy. He co-wrote this movie. Which is- um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> he co-wrote this movie with Patrick Bice. And, um, and it turns out by the way, that Mark Duplass is a very, he's, he's got a lot of weird things banging around in his head since the league. He's done some very odd things like room to room two seventeen on HBO. But anyway, um, it's called creep. There's a sequel and you watch creep and you can't fathom why there would be a sequel. And I, but I promise you, if you like creep, watch creep too, because it does everything that creep did and it does it better and freakier and weirder. And they're just amazing. And if you can watch away, if you can walk away from creep and disagree with the fact that this guy belongs on one of these lists, then you watched a different movie than me. Because he's absolutely terrifying 
without being overtly scary, and I love that. Does the TOC's creep play at any point in time in this movie? Yes, also Radiohead's creep. Great. That's all we needed. Um, I just wanted to make sure. That was my follow-up and, question. Uh, <laughs> I feel like there's an, oh, I feel like there's another band that I should be able to name a song Creep by, but I'm out. So. And I creep. There's one I'm yeah. forgetting. That would be a great song that they play <laughs> as he's chasing whoever the fuck he's going to kill. And I creep. Yeah. Na, 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 na. <laughs> All right, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> All right, so we have... Give me a second here. Uh, we have uh, Joseph for Creep. Yeah. You haven't done your... I know, here. I know. I'm getting to it. I'm getting to it. Kinda, oh, I thought kinda, you were about to move on. Kind of making a decision right now. I'm trying to buy myself some time by vetting a bit. All right. Uh, uh, you're vamping. Vamping! As I vamp. Yeah. All right, uh, my number three... Uh, it's so hard to get rid of, to to swap my number three, but my number three is gonna be uh, Peyton, played by Rebecca De Mornay and the Hand that Rocks the Cradle. Uh, oh, good pick! If you've yeah. uh, if you've ever seen, and I'll tell you who she replaced in my honorable mentions, and you're gonna be like, you're fucking crazy. But here's in the, <laughs> in the bona talking about creep and how creepy the whole scenario was. Um, Rebecca de Mornay was like a sex symbol. Uh, so in that time frame. And I was of that age what? where I was... Um, was, yeah. Well, she's not doing movies anymore. Now she's just on my OnlyFans. So what the fuck am I... I mean, it's not the same thing. <laughs> what the fuck? What has Rebecca de Mornay done in the last 20 years? You don't know what the fuck she's done. She's... She's in my head movies. Yeah. <laughs> she makes my she makes she makes my other parts cry. Um She makes the one eye rain. My head movies of Rebecca De Mornay make my one eye rain. Um she <laughs> She uh Rebecca De Mornay. I'm glad she was Jessica she was in Jessica Jones. She wasn't Jessica Jones? Yeah. Se- season one? Yes, uh, she was. Yeah, she was Dorothy. Who's Dorothy? Dorothy, you know Walker. Dorothy. <laughs> little, little dog. Uh, anyways, uh, gets a, you know, Rebecca Dormonet. Carry on. It was Rebecca. Could be Mornay. Just take my word for it. All right, Re- <laughs> Rebecca Dormonet was su- uh, uh, she was a crazy uh, sex symbol in, in the nineties, uh, uh, late eighties or nineties, uh, and. Um, you know, as a as a as a young boy coming up during those times, watching her movies, um, I discovered a lot about myself during those during those years. Uh, but to watch her in this movie and hand the rocks to cradle, fuck, there you go. Oh god, I got three minutes left. Uh, and to watch her and hand the rocks to cradle, I got uh, it was a different Rebecca. Like it was creepy as fuck. Uh, she plays a nanny that uh, she goes. She gets a job out of, with a family that's looking for a living nanny. And she starts doing really creepy shit where she starts trying to insert herself as the mother figure of this newborn child. Um, and something's off about her, but 
the mom like the mom can never really tell like I that seems off and all of a sudden the baby's not taking my milk anymore because Rebecca the morning started fucking breastfeeding the baby herself so the baby no longer fucking took the real mom's milk is that kind of shit uh and then and then when uh the, when the killing started when got that better titty milk i even as even as a nine-year-old i was like we know why the baby no longer wants that other titty that fucking makes sense <laughs> Duh. you were nine uh what year did this movie come out hand the rocks the cradle came out in i'm sorry I think it came out in ninety two. I'm sorry. I was I apologize. I was eleven. That's crazy. Nine year old will never do that. But as an eleven year old, I was like, that titty sucks. <laughs> Rebecca Demorne's titty's better. Uh that other titty, get another job. Um but yeah, I it was uh it's a fantastic uh <laughs> It was a fantastic psychological thriller. Uh, I love the movie, uh, and it yeah, was. Yeah, that's why you fucking like that. You dirty. Yeah, I mean, I had to. In every mountain, I put a Rebecca Demornay movie. In every mountain, it was going to be either this one or Sleeping with the Enemy. I don't fucking. Risky know. <laughs> <laughs> She's not a sleeping with the enemy. I'm thinking about the other one, the one with Antonio Banderas. That one was fucking. Uh, she was a smoke show on that one. I was has one of my favorite sex scenes. What, what movie was that with her and Antonio? Uh fuck. Antonio, because he's your buddy. Yeah, we're we're both we both of Hispanic <laughs> we're both of Hispanic descent. I could say that shit. Um <laughs> By the way, she wasn't Jessica Jones and she did play a lady named Dorothy Walker. Yeah, I just asked who Dorothy was. I don't know who the fuck Dorothy is. That's all I asked. Um you know, the girl. The girl. Alright, so that's it. My time is up. Uh, I just wanted to talk about Rebecca De Mornay's fan ass. Uh, so uh, my number four is Peyton and the Hand the Rocks the Cradle. Number three. Oh, I'm sorry. My number three. That I was apologize. Number three, drunkie. All right. Um, hand that rocks my jock. Uh, <laughs> Never talk to strangers. There it is. Never talk to strangers, bro. That sex scene. Oh my god. Chapter, Never seen it. Chapter 14 on the DVD. Good sex scene, huh? So fucking good, bro. Uh, <laughs> so fucking good. Uh, hold on. Give me a second. Alright. Uh, Alright, so for the number threes, we had um, Jerry Blake from Stepfather, uh, Peter Foley from Copycat, Joseph from Creep, and Peyton from Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Round two. Dose, the sequel to Uno. Alright, number two. David, hit me with your number two, man. All right, so this is where my list uh, gets into the very well-known territory. Um, I, I I thought about keeping the list fairly obscure with guys like Mackie and Blake, uh, and there were certainly more obscure ones that I could have gone with, but I kind of decided, you know what? If I'm being honest with myself, these two, despite the fact that they are, you know, like supremely well-known, they really are my favorite natural human killers so my number two is leatherface from the texas chainsaw master you know i never even thought of that i didn't really I yeah having to move 
I ended up moving him down to honorable mention to put Leslie Vernon on my list. I never uh, thought of that, but okay, man, well, you I'm are glad you did that because we get to talk about both of them. Wow, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great pick, man. I fucking love that movie. And I know. Shit. Oh, so, um, and, and the the first is one it really is, is a it face comma leather or is it all one name like Madonna? <laughs> It's all one name like Madonna. All right. All one name Leatherface. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Uh, so Le- Leatherface is is a character whose psychology is actually kind of, uh, not kind of, really interesting. And his dynamic within the family is explored in, in the original uh, chronology. So when when you look at the first um, four Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies, each one kind of delves a little deeper into uh, into Leatherface and why Leatherface is the way that he is. And um, I mean, far and away, the original is the best movie, and uh, and I think he's at his scariest in that movie. But um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 actually does go into the dynamic of the family and, and why Leatherface is, like, serves the role that he does within the family. Um, and you, you listen to Gunnar Hansen, the guy that played uh, Leatherface in the original movie, talk about Leatherface. And um, he says that, you know, Leatherface obviously has has a has a handicap right and uh, what he did what? Is he he played, he played leatherface <laughs> as um as a child said you know i i kind of put myself in the uh in, in the mindset of a child and so when when leather when, one of my favorite scenes in that first movie is the very first kill when the guy walks into the house and Leatherface opens that sliding door, and he sees the guy there. Leatherface freaks out, and he bangs the guy on the head with the mallet, right? And the guy's just, like, kind of shaking there on the floor. And Leatherface just starts squealing because he's terrified. Like, Leatherface is scared. And I, I think that that's, that's a really, like, real reaction. Like, I'm scared. I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to do what I know. I'm going to do what is shown to me, what is taught to me. Leatherface is totally a product of his environment. And and you look at some of the other members of his family, which were introduced to some of them in, in the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre, were introduced to more of them in the second one. Uh, and, and we really kind of dig deep into uh, the kind of psychology of these people. Um, Leatherface is not even the scariest of that group. No, uh, not not at all. You know, Drayton, which is the older brother, is probably the scariest, and and he rules with an iron fist. And and we see this Leatherface, who's who's really a, a scared child, but because he's so terrified of what his older brother may do to him, he's forced to take on all these different personalities. He's got, and this is something you don't really notice un, un, unless you've seen the movie a couple of times. And this new 4K transfer that they have of the movie is absolutely gorgeous. And you really do see this stuff. He's got different masks for different occasions. 
He doesn't just wear the one face mask. And depending on what he's doing, if he's cooking, he's wearing one. If he's serving dinner, he's wearing another. Uh, and this idea of gender is is really interesting in how he behaves because he'll wear a he'll wear a tie and 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 dress clothes when he's uh, when he's kind of like preparing the meal. But when he's serving, he's wearing a dress. He's wearing makeup. Uh, this idea that like there are certain uh, like routines that certain genders need to fall under that. Uh, Toby Hooper was exploring and kind of challenging. So, yeah, he's he's a he's a super interesting character who's brutal and gruesome, and I fucking love him and all his skills. It's funny that the guy oh, played him like a child, just like uh, the actor who played Jar Jar also played him like a and <laughs> and uh, and they're both uh, psychotic. Uh, all right, um, uh, yeah, I love that Missy, pick. Missy, you had a you had a question, Missy. Oh, um, so you said that we figure, we find out why he is the way, why, why is he the way that, like, why does he kill people? Do we ever find out or is this, like, Uh, the trauma? It's one of those things that's kind of hinted at, but he's, um, like, he he was, he was born, the family inbreeds. And so he's, he's a product of that inbreeding. And, um, so, you know, that sort of, you know, what happens with inbreeding, you know, plus, the fact that these are cannibals, the fact that they abuse him, he is bigger than they are, so they're afraid of him. Uh, but he becomes afraid of them, you know. So they, they kind of repress him. It's a uh, it's a whole mixture of things. The first two movies, I think, are kind of like uh, necessary viewing. They're required viewing for uh, right. for a horror movie fan. All right, we gotta go. Uh, so Leatherface, uh, fantastic, uh, Missy. What is your number two? My number two is. A very underrated Jennifer Lopez movie, and it's um, Angel Eyes. Carl Rudolph, Sorry. no, Carl Rudolph Figger from The Cell. The from The Cell, played by Vincent D'Onofrio. Correct. Such a great pick. <laughs> that movie is another one that's um, it's it leans towards psychological. But what I like about this this portrayal is that you can track what you're watching like you can follow the logic whether or not you agree with it or not it's different this movie gives you like you're inside the brain of a crazy person and what you see stays with you (laughs) because it's fucking fucked up um I like the idea I like the idea of um it was such a movie was such um (laughs) I want to say revolutionary because I know it's a trigger word, but it was because <laughs> the proposed treatment for trying to find his latest victim was very out of the box, at least from what I remember. Was it out of the cell? Something. <laughs> so anyway, um, <laughs> where for those of you listening who are, or I don't know if all of you have seen it, but it's essentially Jennifer Lopez plays um, a psychologist who, long story short, uh, they're trying to find this uh, this guy's latest victim. He traps him in a cell and then keeps him there and then slowly starts um, filling the cell with water until obviously they drown and die. Which is um, a horrifying way to die. Horrifying. Horrifying way. When they cut to the end, spoiler alert, when they cut to the end where they find the girl and you spend a few minutes with her, like, that stays with you because that's fucking awful. 
an awful way to torture somebody. Um, so anyway, uh, Jennifer Lopez um, ends up going into his mind through some revolutionary uh, therapeutic tool. And what she finds is, um, how do you say, a can of worms. <laughs> and um, eventually, the big twist is that I think at some point, I haven't seen it in a while, so the plot is blurry a little bit. But I think what ends up happening is that she ends up trying to pull him into her brain. And then he, that does not work because then she ends up losing it for a little bit too. So, but overall, aside from it being a fantastic movie, and I honestly, in, in the Jennifer Lopez filmography, I think it's a super underrated movie that she did early on in her career. Um, the inside scoop into a psychotic, a crazy person uh, brain, that shit's scary. And I don't think that a lot of movies, at least from what I've, I would again. I, it's like nothing compared to what regular fans of horror movies would would watch. But at least from what I've seen, I've never seen that kind of 3D IMAX experience inside of a of, of a killer's brain. And um, yeah, I mean, it's um, it, no she, leprechaun, but it'll do. <laughs> she she tries to pull it. Yeah, she does try to pull it into her brain because, um, and in the same type of way that if you can pull Freddy into reality, then you can start controlling the narrative. That's the theory behind that. And one of the creepiest things about this movie is the fact that while in his brain, she meets the kid version of him that's stuck. And, um, and you know, and it's the kid. It's before he became this, this killer. Monster, and she's, yeah. she's, yeah, she starts beginning to understand kind of, you know, where things went horribly wrong. And there's, there's so many great things that they do with this movie as a whole since it takes place in his brain, like you're saying, where it's just, they, uh, they did a great job with that. As soon as you said Jennifer Lopez, I got really hyped because I considered putting that one on my list. I do love The Cell. For me, it was either going to be The Cell, uh, Enough, uh, The Boy Next Door, or uh, Angel Eyes, Angel Eyes, uh, which is tops. I, <laughs> so that's where my heart lies is in her angel eyes. Not money train. Uh, well, we're talking about the good ones here. Um, all right, so uh, you missed out of sight. Uh, okay. Uh, was she in Leprechaun? Is that the joke you were making earlier, David? That she, was she in? Yes, Le- I, yeah. Oh, okay, I I, 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 I thought that was, I thought that was Jennifer Aniston is what I was gonna say. Oh wait, yes, yeah, my bad, wrong Jennifer, <laughs> same name. Yeah. One is white and the other one has a booty, um, <laughs> like the best booty, <laughs> pretty much. Um, that's why I was confused when you said Leprechaun. I was like, fuck, man, did I miss Jennifer Lopez being in? And I was like, all right. All right, you didn't. Uh, and you also didn't miss you didn't listen, miss Jennifer Aniston being I've, in Leprechaun I've, either. No, you didn't. I, I've I've had a couple of these uh, to our you to, to our YouTube viewers. You dropped, can see uh, what you can see what uh, Dave is drinking. Uh, he had a Cash App incident, and uh, he's going to go ahead and keep drinking that. The uh, that's, that's not why I'm sad. The <laughs> Bora, what do you got <laughs> for your number two? Uh, I'm not going to do a ton of Alita in here because I think I might get tabled. My number two is Hannibal Lecter. Table. Uh, okay. Okay. Right. Uh, uh, and 
Uh, wait, sorry. Let me go back. <laughs> doctor. Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, don't forget the doctor. Yeah, yeah. he didn't go through eight years. He didn't go through eight years of cannibal medical school. Yeah, he didn't go. He didn't go through eight years of cannibal medical school to be called <laughs> Mister. Thank you very much. Uh, all right, Mister Lecter. We called Mister. My number two is uh, might have this. This is a toss up between who has a higher uh, body count, but my number two may have the highest body count of my list. Maybe um, is Patrick Bateman John in American Cycle. <laughs> John John Rambo is a fucking killer, man. John Rambo would have been amazing to have on my fucking list. He fucking killed a lot of people, man. Oh man, John Matrix. John Matrix yeah. got way more than 80 fucking people in one movie, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> shit. Now I'm disappointed in my fucking list. God damn it. <laughs> so stupid. They played humans. They fucking played humans. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, I guess my shitty list will have to continue now. I already picked it. Patrick Bateman in American Psycho. That's a that's a great pick, man. Yeah, yeah uh, honorable mention for me. It's it's an okay pick. Fucking Rambo would have been better. Patrick Bateman. <laughs> talk about it now he's so disappointed so in himself. Fucking everything just seems lackluster now. yeah <laughs> america psycho he fucks a lot and he fucking kills bitches whatever man <laughs> he's a business card uh yeah he's so like it, it yeah, is a, uh, it is the like quintessential 80s like what from what i from my understanding of what it was to be a white man businessman in the 80s it was like if you're gonna be in new york and it's all about capitalism it's all about how much money you make it's all about you're trying to keep up with the joneses and how important your business card is like oh white on white and look at this kind of paper and all this crazy shit it's the fucking uh like the title says he's in a he's a psycho he's a fucking psychopath uh he invites women to his place and uh uh, has consensual sex, from what I'm understanding, right? The movie there was consensual sex. I don't uh, think. It, yeah, no, they, yeah, no, it was consensual. Sex. I don't think it was. Murder not so much. Yeah, that, that was consensual? the one part that was. What? Uh, consensual? No, no, I'm saying. No, it was. No, it was. I, I, I had to like remind myself. I'm like, wait, it wasn't a like rape or anything. No, no, he was having consensual sex with these women. He was a rich white dude in 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 uh in New York in the in the 80s. It was like. These, you know, that was the times where if you had money, you could just so do. So Gordon Gecko could 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 kill. Yeah, yeah, like that. Um, it's like that. That's how it was. So, um, so he invites these women. Like I, I in, rather enjoyed like the long monologues that this guy would do. Uh, while he's a having sex, like while he's doing everything, really having sex, even while he's killing them, he's having fucking like monologues with himself. It's like fucking bananas. It's bonkers. Um, has a, has a million great scenes in it, including uh, when he killed Jared Leto, and he sat him down in his apartment that was all covered in plastic. 
uh, which is already fucking sign number one, like fucking red flag, something's bad's gonna happen. Uh, but he has this long monologue, and then him, he he's like jealous of Jared Leto for whatever the fucking reason, and then he swings an axe from behind, like, and you just don't see it coming because he has these long fucking monologues about the mundane shit about how great genesis new album is and how why phil collins is a genius and he breaks down all these amazing things about it's like if dave became a serial killer and he just started talking about all the things that he normally talks about you don't expect those conversations to come out of a fucking serial killer and that's exactly what it turned out to be um anyways uh it's fantastic yeah one of my favorite favorite scenes is, is a stairwell scene with a chainsaw that's one of my favorite scenes i think in cinema history as far as murders are concerned it's one of, it's right up there man i i fucking love it um but it is if you haven't seen it it's it's i remember watching this movie and introducing this movie to a a woman who is now an ex-girlfriend of mine and i was like oh look at this this movie like i was trying to like I guess we were just both too young for me, one, for me to explain and, like, why it's a, a great movie. And I was just like, it's awesome. Like, that was my <laughs> level of fucking trying to sell this. It's awesome. And then and then at one point, he kills a dog, and that's it. For her, it was like, how the fuck can you watch this? And I was like, um, it's acting? It's not fucking real? I don't know how to explain that because I'm only 22 and uh, stupid. Um, but yeah, I, I just love this fucking movie. Uh, the acting is superb. The acting is superb. So uh, the, the One of the reasons that I ended up not putting him onto my list is because uh, a while back, I don't know, maybe five or so years ago, I read a really good um, hypothesis on the fact that maybe Patrick Bateman didn't actually kill anybody. In the movie American Psycho, yeah, yeah, I heard that too. That, yeah. um, that he's just, yeah, that that he's just a crazy person and living out these fantasies in his head is how he copes with the stress of everything. Yeah, and it really stuck with me. Watch American Psycho afterwards, and I was like, ah, oh, damn, maybe he didn't actually kill anybody. I think it's a great pick, but that's how I talked myself out of putting Bateman on my list. You're you're completely right. I thought about that as well. Um, I, and it leaves you with this like, oh, it could be, right? Uh, but they've said the same thing about Joker, about how Joker didn't really kill anybody. He was just in the right. mental institution the whole time. Like, it wasn't a thing. Um so, but even if you believe that from the Joker, you still got to believe that he killed somebody because at the end, in the mental institution, he has bloody footprints. So he killed somebody. Uh, or at least fucking hit them over the head with a lot of blood. There's a lot of blood gushing. Um, so, but yeah, you're right. Uh, I've heard that same theory that um, he didn't really kill anybody, that it's all in his head, which I think adds to the craziness. Like he's leg- like the title says, he's a it fucking, really like it I just love- adds to it. So. That's yeah. it. That's my number two. All right. Um, my time ran out. All right. Uh, so number twos are Leatherface uh, from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Carl Rudolph from The Cell, Hannibal Lecter. I don't know what movie you're, you're selecting specifically, but Hannibal Lecter. And then Patrick Bateman from American Psycho. Here we go. Round. Oh, sorry. We didn't do honorable mentions. Oh. Uh, honorable mentions. David, what is your honorable mention? Oh, my God. All right, so let's go. Buckle up, y'all. Lord Summer Isle from The Wicker Man, Kurt Duncan from When a Stranger Calls, uh, The Phantom Killer from The Town That Dreaded Sundown, 
uh, the Firefly family from The Devil's Rejects, the Phantom from The Phantom of the Opera, Frank Zito from Maniac, which is a fantastic character study. Uh, I also have Frank Zito on honorable mention. Oh, this is so good. good. But you already picked four. Uh, You already picked four. Yeah, yeah, and I've I've picked more. (laughs) And you, you, you lost count. The Strangers from The Strangers. Uh, <laughs> and the <laughs> Travis <laughs> oh, uh, Missy what are your honorable mentions Jigsaw uh, <laughs> he is human. You're right. Confidence. Yeah. Why didn't you? Yes, you said that like you were confused. Because because she wasn't a hundred percent sure that it wasn't a possessed ventriloquist doll. She had to think about it. The amount of alcohol I had to say to drink to get through those movies. Also, I I don't I didn't come out to this mountain with a lot of confidence. So I'm like. I'm waiting for the moment where it's just the bed. So that's almost like, um, <laughs> I would put, um, I don't know that she, I don't remember if she kills anyone, but I want to put Annie Wilk, Wilk, Wilkie, Wilkie she does kill people. Misery. She kills a few people. Yes. She does kill people, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So she's, yeah, she's an honorable. Oh yeah. yeah. She, she got some bodies Hooray. under her belt. Crazy. And, um, mm. I don't know. I'm pushing it here, but I would put Maleficent on there because that bitch scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. Did she kill people? Did Maleficent kill people? <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. I don't. I don't think she killed anyone. She attempted to, but the the good fairy stopped it. That's a fair point. Well, I I shot the murderess. Yeah, um, yeah an attempted murderess. The uh, bono. Well, we can scratch her off. I don't care. The bono. Who did you pick? Honorable mentions. Um, um, all of mine have been mentioned for the most part, except for one stuntman, Mike McKay, from oh, the movie Death pick. Proof. Fucking great. Um, that is a great one. I love Death Proof so much. Uh, Kurt Russell, just fucking incredible. Um, in this movie, it's Tarantino, just Tarantino on Tarantino with Kurt Russell pulling it off. And uh, Mike McKay was just—he was a lot of damn fun to watch in that movie. He was great. He was fucking great. Uh, yeah, that's a, that. Uh, I was one. I think that's such an underrated uh, Tarantino movie, man. Um, my honorable mentions are Annie Wilkes, which is was gonna be my number three, but I moved her down to I I re, moved her down because I wanted. To, uh, Rebecca De Mornay in the, in my list, <laughs> but Annie Wilkes in Misery was was fantastic. Uh, <laughs> she was great. She did not kill who she wanted to kill, but she killed the sheriff and she killed a bunch of other people. Yeah, she got some bodies under her belt. Um, but she was great. Uh, John Doe from Seven uh, was pretty fucking scary. Uh, and then who else? Uh, John Rambo. Uh, and John Ma- and <laughs> yeah, John Rambo and John Matrix. Uh, those are my honorable mentions. All Johns, except for uh, Annie Wilkes. Uh, all right, uh, number ones. Round one. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. Do it! Do it! Come on! Come on! 
I mean, he's in the fucking song. I could have just put him in there. Uh, <laughs> you could have just stopped and like, edited that. No, it's fucking it. so. No, I don't want to cheat. All right. Uh, uh, David, who do you got for your number one? Uh, my number one did not immediately come to me, and I felt like uh, like an absolute failure when uh, when I realized that he didn't come to me immediately. And it's Norman Bates from Psycho. Yeah, uh, yeah, I uh, yeah, it's a good one, man. It's so good. Um, which which one? Which version? Uh, so here's the thing is uh, we were not tasked with picking one specific movie. Okay, but and it is from so, a movie, though. Well, it's from the first three. Oh, okay. Uh, the, the, the so original, not Vince Vaughn. Yeah, I no, was going to go I was gonna go with Vince Vaughn, but all right. Oh, you meant which actor. Got you. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, no, no, no. I'm talking about Anthony Perkins. Uh, Perkins plays this character so perfectly. He's he's meek. He's uh, he's kind. He's caring, and and there's the first time you watch this movie, there is like zero indication that he is the killer. And when when you when you see him in the in, in the prison cell at the end of the movie and and you hear the voiceover it's uh it's chilling not to mention that the first ba- uh, the, the first time you actually see him in the norma bates outfit with the wig on coming into that room with the knife it still scares me it still terrifies me um we see him throughout the course of those three movies um, become what we assume is rehabilitated in the second one. And he believes that he's going crazy only to find out that he's not actually killing anyone until the very end of the movie when he kind of falls back into into that sort of behavior again where you know, he's kind of driven to it by um, the family of a victim. Uh, and then in the third one, where he is just even more insane than he was before. Um, uh, the second and third one came out 20 years later, you know, in the midst of the, the slasher craze in the 80s. And, and they do feel very 80s. It doesn't feel very much yes. like Psycho. But um, to their credit, they're still fantastic. And he is, I think, much more brutal and aggressive in, in that third Psycho movie, like, he is a force to be reckoned with. Um, but it's, it's the psychological aspect of that first one that gets under my skin. And, uh, you know, just hearing him, you know, walk up to, to the house and scream, you know, oh, mother! And then later, you know, there was no one there. Like, he's just that out of his mind. He's that crazy. He is, you know, would it not have been for the fact that Janet Lee's sister comes looking for her? No one would have ever known. How many times has he done this? You know, he, he operates, you know, this, this out-of-the-way motel. It was perfect for him. Um, 
And, and I'm sure that that was by design. You know, that's not something they ever really go into in the movie series. And, and I didn't see an awful lot of, of Bates Motel. So I don't know if that was something that, that was by design. But <laughs> That'd be it's, great. Um, a chain. It become, they become a chain fucking in the front. He's a franchisee. It's like, there's a list. If you want to be a franchisee owner, there's a list. Do you dress up as your mother? Mm, it's kind of a big deal. Sorry. <laughs> Um, and one of the greatest kills in any horror movie is, uh, is Psycho 2 or 3, I can't remember which one it is now, uh, scissors down the throat. It is just brutal, absolutely brutal. Some of the best gore effects in, in those two movies there. Um, yeah, so good. You're on yeah, prime time, I, bitch. I, I, I purposely didn't name him as an honorable mention just in case anybody had him as number one. My favorite thing about the character of Norman Bates is that movie is 60 years old. And it still stands as something that, that it's, it's still like a relevant pop culture reference. It's still something that people understand when you talk about it. That is something that is stuck with and become just a major part of American culture. And, and it's, it's just, ah, oh man, so good. God, such a great pick. And I honestly didn't even think that Vince Vaughn did a terrible job. No. It just wasn't as good as the 60s. That whole movie wasn't bad. That whole movie was, job, that whole movie was actually good. The remake. I mean, I don't know why you do a shot yeah. by shot remake. Yeah. I have no idea why, but that, that's the issue with the movie. It's just a shot for mm-hmm. shot. remake. Yeah. I mean, but it's yeah. still a good why, fucking why movie, but it's still a good fucking yeah. movie. Because so. you're you're doing a shot for shot remake of a perfect movie, not right? Really perfect. It was black and white, so it's not really perfect. So, God, I fucking hate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> it oh. wasn't black and white. You'd be able to tell that the blood was chocolate syrup. Thank you. I don't it's say. funny when it happens to somebody else. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, speaking of which, Missy, your turn. What is your number one? Yeah. Okay, so remember in the beginning when I said that there's no greater threat to humans than other humans? Mm-hmm. That's, that's 100% where I'm basing my number one pick from. Um, they technically don't kill anyone, um, much like this jigsaw, but, um, but uh, yeah. So my number one is the new founding fathers of America from the Purge movie. Oh, and okay. I know that um, what's terrifying about it is that the parallels between the movies and real life kind of kind of relevant. Um, anytime, and this is not like, I'm not trying to spin it to political, but anytime somebody mentions Antifa, I'm like, that's, is that the new founding (laughs) like I'm very confused what the fuck that means Um, and I just think it speaks to um, these movies are really good experiments like just I guess a conversation starter if you want to have this kind of conversation where you kind of um, see people being pinned against each other um, because of this new uh, movement, political movement, and I think that that's really the most dangerous kind of monster we could encounter. I really didn't think it was going to take this political turn as I'm talking, but it, I, I did. It's just terrifying that that could. I think that could happen in real life. I think we're in other scenarios where it's kind of contained to a, a, a specific scenario where, like, you're dealing with a, a psychotic killer in 
well, basically my other three picks. But this is where your hand, your 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 hand is being um, twisted to act a certain way for survival, and it calls into question human nature. What what are you willing to do to survive? Or you know, everyone always thinks that they're not capable of murder, these horrendous crimes. And then you get 12 hours to do whatever the fuck you want and not get in trouble and a shit show ensues. So that's, that's my number one. I don't, I'm not entirely convinced that it's the right choice, but it is my choice. It's, it's a fine choice. I love those purge movies after the first one. The first one was fine. It wasn't anything to write home about. But then once they when they did Anarchy and Election Year and Year One and even the USA series, I know we're talking about the movies, but um, they did a great job with when they realized that they had a good idea with the first one, but they went the wrong direction with it. And then when they went the right direction, they were like, you know what, we're just going to make this legitimate political commentary to an extent and we're going to put it out there and it's not just the story of one family it's the story of how the monstrosity that is humanity and and then when they ran with that ball that's when that became an absolutely amazing franchise i think that with the first movie i remember watching it and it didn't i got the point of it but because it was contained in the house it wasn't as impactful as say like anarchy because holy fuck right. they're like out now there's no safety net there's no way to protect themselves like so and then you know they just built off of that from there and I just think that in terms of terrifying I think that there's really nothing more terrifying than what people can do to other people given uh, an avenue a platform or an opportunity so Mm-hmm. Down there, I know, but that's my number one. Oh no, it's 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 a great pick. It's I love it. All right, I haven't seen the Purge movies. I saw one of them, I think, a long time oh. ago. So I don't. I'm not. That's why I haven't spoken in the well, I haven't seen it. Just jump to the second. Yeah, one. just skip the first. Just go straight to Anarchy. They'll explain. <laughs> anarchy. How you say anarchy? Um. All right. Uh, Bono, what do you got for your number one? My number one. Um is genuinely, I think, the most scared I've ever been of a human being while watching a movie, even though you don't even really know who it is until the very end, and that is John Doe from the movie Seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know we're going to get back around... I, I know we're going to get back around to what my number two was um, in Hannibal Lecter, but the reason that I, I find John Doe to be more terrifying than Hannibal Lecter is um, John Doe was a guy who he deemed that these people had sinned. And so that's why he murdered them, but they were just normal people for the most part. Like, yeah, the one guy was really fat. Right. But whatever, like I'm a fat guy who likes sex and money and laying around, you know, like I like doing a lot of these things. It's like, so Maybe, you know, like it, it felt, it felt very real. It was, um, there's a, you know, it was like one of the, it's like a, uh, I think it's called like a calling killer or something like that. Like somebody who believes that a higher power has spoken to them and that has made this their mission, missionary killer. There we go. Made that, that their mission in life is to save these people from themselves while simultaneously saving the world from these people. And that's genuinely one of the most terrifying things I've ever come across 
while learning about killers is people who believe that they're they're doing the right thing. It's not they're they're not receiving necessarily any sort of sexual satisfaction out of it or anything like that. And and that's what John Doe was doing. He was out there ridding the world of these people that he had determined were just awful. And, um, you know, it's to, to the point that the movies, however, the movies, what, uh, 30 years old, so or 25 years old. So sorry if I spoil it, but down to the fact that he has himself killed because he believes that he, because he determined he's committed one of these sins. And so he has himself killed at the end of the movie. It's just absolutely terrifying. Plus the ways that he killed these people were so absolutely horrifying. I was, I don't think I saw this movie right when it came out. So it came out in 95. Let's just say I saw it two years later. And so that makes me 14. I'm still traumatized by the concept of making a John put on a dildo with the blade on it and having him sex a prostitute to death. That's, that traumatized me. Traumatized I'll me. never fully recover. That's a right, weird. What? That's a weird word to say. Fucking aroused. But all right, go ahead, continue. But right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I will honestly never fully recover from watching the movie Seven and seeing that way to murder someone. Um, In your fourteen, it, it you felt it's like a. Yeah, something like that. And um, it was just, it was it was terrifying. It felt very real. Um, and it was it was just incredible. And, and when I go back and I thought about these, and, and I think about these, I wrote them on my short list and he just kept climbing because every time I would think about one of those deaths and how traumatizing the horrible ways that he killed those people, like the the pride woman, you know, he sliced her face up and then glued a phone to one hand and sleeping bottles to the other. And she had to decide if she was going to live her life horribly scarred or and call for help or if she was just going to kill herself. And those things like that, just the, the, the sheer amount of planning and, and horrible thinking that went into these things just blew me away. And it, I feel like it really laid the groundwork for some of the things that became Saw. And John Doe just was traumatizing and felt far more real than Hannibal Lecter, which is why I ended up swapping them at the last minute and putting John Doe at number one. This movie is a masterpiece, dude. I, I saw it maybe three months ago, four months ago. It was it's it still holds up. It it's um it's fantastic. I, I don't think I ever saw yeah. it in its entirety when it first came out during its first run, and I don't think I had ever seen it in its entirety. I saw lots of bits and pieces in the last scene, of course, when they go out there and take the ride and I've seen that a bunch of times, but when you watch it all together, it's still oh, fucking you went great. To the fucking box? Yeah. Yeah, it's so fucking good, man. So uh, I can't fault you for that. The reason why it, it went to my uh, honorable mentions list, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, the reason why I went to my honorable mentions list is because we didn't actually see him do any of those murders. And that's like, the, that, that, that was my out. That was my mental excuse like my mental fucking ripcord where i could be like oh i can't pick him because i didn't see him do any of the murders so that was for all we know he didn't do any of those murders so we don't fucking know right um i mean i believe he did i'm just saying for the <laughs> for the excuse of 
to have the excuse to not put him on my list. That's that's the reason he didn't make my list. Uh, but it, it's a fantastic movie. To uh, I think one of the great case studies in psychological thrillers and movies i think you know try to get into this guy's head yeah he had it in his mind he was right he did he he was doing right. society a favor you know so it, it's something it says something um and just one of the one of the really fun on like facts movie is it was kevin spacey's idea for his name to not be associated with it in any way shape or form so everyone would be shocked when he showed up which ironically 20 years later is the reason why i could still watch the movie um because his name's not anywhere associated with it because he's a fucking dirtbag in real life um all right uh my uh let me see here my number one is uh is uh dr sarah taylor played by rebecca dormornay and never talk to strangers uh i'm kidding i'm fucking kidding <laughs> like, this should be an all oh, rebecca dormornay can't fucking mount it that shit would have been hilarious <laughs> no my number <laughs> that was funny man oh man <laughs> women be hating ain't they um <laughs> My number one is Dr. Hannibal Lecter. Uh, uh, my favorite of the movies, uh, as we talked about in Shiver, and I'm sure, I don't know if we talked about it ever on, on, on Geekmore, but I love Hannibal. Hannibal's a, a favorite of mine. I put that one over Silence of the Lambs. I know I'm a man on my own mount. I'm a, on an island. I get it. I understand. But I love that fucking movie. So it's Han Dr. Hannibal Lecter from Hannibal. Uh, you see him do the murders, all these gruesome shits. Everything that was said about John Doe, we actually get to see Hannibal Lecter do these horrific things. And eating of the brain, uh, which was fucking phenomenal. Uh, I fucking yeah. love that scene. Yeah, that's uh, so brutal. It's so brutal. Uh, the fact that they cut that guy's stomach in fucking Italy, uh, the inspector's stomach in Italy when he was hanging off a girl, just fucking, and then you see all the guts splatter on the fucking, on the, his intestine splatter on the ground, and it's brutal. It's just fucking brutal, and we see it all happen, and with, from a man who, A, Anthony Hopkins, you as a viewer have learned to love because he's fucking Sir Anthony Hopkins. He's amazing. But as Hannibal Lecter, he is charming. He is funny. Yeah. He, Terrifying. Yeah, he's, he's charming. He's funny. And then he could look into the lens of the camera and give you that fucking, those, those eyes, those piercing blue eyes could just become terrifying when he, you know, it's just fucking, uh, it's a, it's a masterpiece to me in, in, in acting. Um, and he said in Inside the Actor Studio that he, he based his movements of Hannibal Lecter uh, as a reptile from like a snake, so he you know he'll move his head like suddenly and stuff like that, and he'll do all it. I, fucking man, I mean, who thinks of that? Who fucking honestly, who thinks of that shit? Um, but it made the performance that much better, and uh, I thought it was fucking great. Um, so I'll just leave it at Doctor Hannibal Lecter in Hannibal, um, specifically Hannibal, but and any other series. Right, he he was my my number two, and I would have put him from Silence. Um, just because I actually found, I, I, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's a thing for me. I found it a little bit creepier that in silence, you didn't see him do it as much. It was really just more about the psychological aspect and the way that he played every angle. Um, but man, yeah, no, I love the pick. 
Yeah, it's fucking great. I mean, it's, I mean, Silence is a phenomenal movie. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from the fucking Silence. It's just so great. And let let you know the end where he's like, I have to have a friend for dinner. Oh, it's so fucking creepy, dude. Oh, you feel yeah. it. You but, fucking feel it. Uh, and um, and uh, and let's not forget, if it wasn't for Silence of the Lambs, we wouldn't have one of the greatest scenes in the Office. Uh, so let's let us not forget that. Uh, <laughs> I want, it didn't look realistic in the movie. <laughs> Turns out yeah, <laughs> you can do it. It's realistic. Uh, yeah, so uh, our number ones are Norman Bates, Psycho Killer. Norman Bates. Um, the uh, the Founding Fathers from the Purge movies. Uh, John Doe from Seven and Hannibal Lecter. I'm sorry, Dr. Hannibal Lecter from Hannibal. Uh, so those are our number ones. And we have a couple of repeats. We have Hannibal as a repeat. Uh, we have... Who else? Um, Joker. Joker. Is that the only two? I'm on the board. Uh, Hannibal Lecter. I so. Joker. Let me see. Leatherface. Uh, Patrick Bateman, nobody house. Not Patrick Bateman, nope. All right. So yeah, so we got to come up with other two. Um, uh, but we have Hannibal and Joker right now on the final mountain. Gonna make an argument for Norman Bates. I mean, he's kind of the original. Yeah. See, and that—that's I would, you know, yeah, I agree with Dave on that. Norman Bates is terrifying. I mean, it is like the original slasher flick I, I would I would definitely think that he deserves a spot on there even though he wasn't on my mouth not gonna argue that cause he made it onto a Wu-Tang song so uh, yeah I'm fucking I'm down for that <laughs> I'm down for Norman Bates psycho killer um, yeah so what else uh, We so right now we got uh, uh, Hannibal Joker and Norman Bates anybody um, else wanna recommend one Anybody uh, else? Anybody else? I feel like maybe Leatherface. I I I like the Leatherface pick. I really do. Like uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't argue that making the mountain plus that would uh it would I think that that's a that that's a quintessential horror film, but that delves a lot deeper into the psychology than than a lot of them do. So I would not be opposed to that Leatherface pick. Uh, I wouldn't be opposed to Leatherface. I would say Patrick Bateman from American Psycho, but uh, I, I mean, I think both of these picks are any of these picks are, are really good. Uh, so any relation to Norman? No, mm-hmm. Bateman and Bates. Mm-hmm. Never mind. Yep. <laughs> Bateman, he changed his name to uh, yep. you know to he was ashamed of the family history, so he changed his name to Bateman. But yeah, I like the Leatherface pick a lot. Like I was on the fence about it, but Dave's. The description of everything and how deep the mythos of Leatherface goes has sold me on Leatherface. All right, so Leatherface. Yeah, for some reason, um, just people kind of stop at that first uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And uh, that second one is still written and directed by Toby Hooper and is pretty brilliant. It, it just, oh, it, yeah. It, pl- it plays up the humor much more uh, than the first one does. Um he very famously said that people didn't understand that the first one was a black comedy, and I still don't see how it is. But uh, but he certainly made the second one a black comedy. It's uh, it's very funny in parts, and uh, and you see a lot of that there. 
yeah, so the final mantle we have Hannibal, Joker, Norman Bates, Psycho Killer, uh, and Leatherface. That is a final mountain. Uh, thank you guys. That's, for, that's a good mountain of killers. I think that's a good amount of killers, man, of natural born killers. Uh, make sure you guys, we could have had fucking uh, this dude. We could have Woody Harrelson from Natural Born Killers. On the Woody list. Harrelson. Um, shout out. Uh, if you guys want to check out other po- other great podcasts, we have a lot of other great podcasts at geekbro.net. Uh, if you are a new listener listening in, uh, because I did a series of spots on the Ari Spears podcast called Spears and Steinberg, and I've had a lot of people reach out to me on my Instagram, uh, and telling me that they're going to listen uh, now to the podcast. So if you are one of those listeners, thank you very much and welcome. I uh, hope you spread the word. Uh, and uh, you can listen to other great podcasts at geekbro.net on the Geekbro Network. Geekbro.net, we have Better Let Me Tell You. We have What's Good, uh, which is Daniel DeBono's podcast. Uh, it's on YouTube. Uh, you can also go click on the uh, What's Good channel on the uh, Geekbro Network uh, what website. You got? What's good, I'm sorry. Name? You're right. What you got? I apologize. They're all behind me. Like I sense the changing yeah, of the I chairs. They're all fucking behind me, so I can't. Uh, so it's better let me tell you what's up, bro. Uh, what you got? Uh, and um, oh, fuck. And I find I'm, I'm flatlining on one of them. Uh, but uh, it's where's one? Child like it best. Child like at best with Mike Valdez. Thank you so much. Again, I apologize. They're all fucking behind me and I can't do this shit. Uh, so thank you guys for checking us out. Uh, check out Missy's blog at missytherwriter.com. Is that correct, Missy? Nope. Nope. Missywrites.com. Oh, so close. And my Instagram is at missytherwriter. There you go. So it's at missytherwriter is her Instagram and missywrites.com. Dot com is the website check out her blog uh and uh thank you very much and that's how lists are made oh my comedy is narysigns.com or what was his name.com that's how lists are made all right that Excellent. one got that, that one got an extra uh, a little ahead of us uh